Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Denise Green, and I am very excited today because I have my friend and colleague, Kathleen Joy, here with me today. And this is really a treat because I know I've had some amazing guests on, um, but nobody is the Renaissance woman that Kathleen is. I mean, she is a super intelligent being, and we're going to talk about all the intelligences that she brings, but um, in, in the um, traditional mode, she's highly experienced, highly credentialed, and she is an advisor to the C-suite. So she works with the top leaders in the world and um, everyone in between. She has not only a master's degree, but she has a master's practitioner in, in um, neuro-linguistic programming, easy for me to say. She's also a professional energy healer and an ICF certified coach. And we are so lucky to have her today because she's also really fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Kathleen, thank you for joining us. I'm so delighted. So we are talking about your four intelligences and just give us a high-level explanation of what that is and why it matters, and then, um, and then we'll have fun talking about each of them. Great. Well, here's the thing. Growing up, I had a father who had dyslexia. Well, he still has dyslexia, actually, and uh, a sister who had it. And the thing with growing up with dyslexic people is that they think quite differently. And so I learned a certain way of... I learned a different type of intelligence than one might normally get out of the gate. And I'll explain the four in a second. But what that allowed me, I really got in tune with my creative and sort of intuitive capabilities being around a dyslexic father. And my mother was a very uh, high, she was a scholar. She was very well degreed, she was the kuma sanlada, like she was the, the it girl in terms of more typical intelligence. So I grew up in a household that was full of a lot of different capabilities. And when I started to go to school and when I got out of school and went into the workforce, what I realized is there were preferences depending who you were working with on one intelligence versus another. And some of them, now, so now I'll tell you what the four are so we can kind of lay, set the table. And what I would invite you and, and the listeners to think about is where are my preferences when I think about these four? So the most common when we think of being quote unquote intelligent is what I call cognitive intelligence. And the cognitive capabilities have to do with how we approach logic. It has to do with uh, music, actually, or the structure, structural things that use our frontal lobe and really help us think in an analytical database, sometimes, most of the time, sequential manner of how to approach a problem. It, it's, someone would say that you're logical, right? So that's the cognitive capability. And then we have the emotional intelligence. And in our field uh, with executive development and leadership development, and even personal development, 
you know, it, emotional intelligence has really came into light probably in the last 20 years. And it's about my capability to understand my own experiences internally, my own feelings, and also to be able to understand those of others. And with the ultimate goal of being able to um, manage and actually enrich your life through these emotional um, centers in, that we have. And emotional intelligence is a huge, beautiful field all in and of itself. There's physical intelligence. So when I think about athletes, when I think about really elite uh, people in, 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 in terms of their health and the way that they take care of their bodies, if you think about physical intelligence in terms of uh, architecture and how things are structured, right? Our physical surroundings, our physical environment, how an office is laid out has a certain physical intelligence to it. Some people, uh, if you're in more of a interior design that has a physical intelligence and structure to it, feng shui has a physical intelligence to it. So it has to do with environment as well as, you know, the environment we're in as well as our own physical intelligence. So Anything that we use with our five senses, what we're seeing, hearing, feeling, uh, kinetically, uh, tasting, or smelling, those are physical intelligence. And the physical world in our physical body has a tremendous amount of wisdom. So that's, a, that's an area. That's the third area. And then the fourth area, I've coined it to be the subtle intelligence. And... The reason I have decided on this word is it kind of covers a big category of things. But the, the main thing to know about subtle intelligence is uh, it's indirect sometimes. It's hard to, it's invisible. Um, it tends to be, come on in a softer manner or in a more indirect manner, the information, right, um, than we usually get. If some people would think of it as your gut instinct might would be a basic subtle intelligence, um, which everybody is born with, right? Everybody has subtle intelligence and it could go all the way towards, uh, you know, the energy work and understanding energy bodies. It can go towards um, understanding information that might not be visible to other people, um, whether that would be, oh, you could be talking to the dead. You could be uh, time traveling. You could be channeling. There's a lot of possibilities. Um, I, I like to keep it. There's a whole continuum within the subtle capabilities. And the way I like to make it really real, like for you, Denise, or for somebody who's listening right now, is to think about, have you ever had a situation where you're like, man, I'm just going to have to sleep on this. You go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, boom, clarity has arrived. That your subtle intelligence was working during that evening. It's sometimes associated with the delta wavelength and the theta wavelength. So it can be, um, it's a different mindset. It's a different way of being to receive information. Um, if you've ever been in a situation, you're like, ah, I just, I can't go in there. I, 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 I'm just going to turn around. There's something that tells you that this there's potential danger. There's something there that you should not be approaching and you make the decision to listen to that. You've just acted on subtle intelligence. Um, sometimes you might have an act of synchronicity 
where you're like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about Denise, I should call her. And I pick up the, and I'm about to pick up the phone and guess who's calling? Denise is calling me. It's like, oh, I was just thinking of you. That's subtle intelligence, a form of it. So it's a very, very rich um, field of intelligence as all of them are. Um, it's just one that we don't name very often. And as I said, I coined the word subtle because I, it needs a little more respect than it's been getting. Um, if we say that you're being psychic or if you're a medium or if you're an energy worker or you're an intuitive or you get a hit or something, it's very easy for people in corporate uh, to discount that because they didn't learn it at business school or they didn't learn it, you know, as they're growing up through the businesses. But I will tell you, the best executives I've ever worked with are always using subtle intelligence. It's just uh, named differently. Um, Jack Welsh, the CEO, used to make a joke about not wanting to hire anybody who didn't know how to take a bath. Well, what he was talking about is the ability to slow down and to get into an altered quote unquote state, you know, dropping out of alpha, dropping out of beta, getting into a theta state or a meditative state so that you could access different information. It's just a different level of awareness. So those are the four. That last example uh, reminded me of, I, I can't remember what the system is in the brain, but it's the braking system. And when it's on, we cannot have epiphanies. So when we're using, like when you're at your highest thinking time, your most cognitive time, you're not allowed, I don't think the subtle energies can come through because like Jack Welp said, you know, your, your, um, your centuries are up. They're blocking out those creative messages. So that, and we all know that we have our epiphanies when we're in the shower, when we're in the bath, when we're on a walk, when we're, unless you're walking like I am and listening to a podcast and texting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a leader who used to get their best ideas in the swimming pool, mm -hmm. you know, she would swim every morning and that's where and if you think about it, she was using physical intelligence, body rhythm, right, in order to access subtle intelligence. So the, the four of them are very interconnected. The reason I make a distinction is because people do not leverage them. Mm. Like you're, you're sitting on gold, basically, and you're still mining for nickel. You know, it's like a lot of people are taught, mostly because of the way we're taught and what our, our culture accepts that the cognitive intelligence is the only credible intelligence because it's scientific or because it's measurable. But truth is science is a lot of subtle intelligence. <laughs> you know, they have to imagine, they have to theorize, they have to go beyond the boundaries in order to, and then to test it, you know, so it's created, if you will, in the subtle, and then it moves to the cognitive and then they could test it in the physical and, there's all sorts of ways that these interact, but if we can understand more which one we have a preference for um, and which ones we ignore, well, then we can open up our resources to, to, mo to more data. You know, how do you use your emotions? Are you using them as a feedback mechanism, which I think is the most brilliant way to use emotions, right? They're just more feedback. Them. Well, the feedback about, you know, emotions give you feedback on how you're thinking. 
right? So if you're having a thought or you're working through a process and you're having negative emotions, those emotions are signaling something is wrong with your cognitive processing. Right. It's off. It's out right. of integrity, right? Right. And that's what I do when I use the STEER model is we stop on the emotion because that is the clue. Yeah. That's, now let's reverse engineer that. What is creating the shame? What is creating the anxiety, the resentment, the da-da-da? It isn't just coming from anywhere. It's coming from a cognitive thought you're having. Right. But if you don't stop and notice that vibration. Um, now, this is a weird question for you. Oh, by the way, I think I might be hearing your bracelet, and it might just be in my ears. Is there something on your No? Never mind. Uh, my microphone's so good, I can hear dust. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I just wanted to check. It's just me. It's not going to be. But can you hear joy? That's what I want to <laughs> I'm hearing joy, right? <laughs> what was I saying? I forgot. Uh, it, was, it couldn't have been that important. How does one develop the, we can call it intuition. I remember, Kathy, I, Kathleen, <laughs> I used to buy books on intuition. I, um, I'm a nine on the Enneagram and we're really good about numbing um, because we don't want to feel all the emotion. And of course the body is holding the emotions. So best to just not feel any of that. And so I would buy books, literally try to cognitively learn how to feel more in my intuitive reasoning and um, or with the subtle reasoning. How do you advise people to develop that? Oh, I think play dates are the best way to learn anything. <laughs> so if I wanted to, to have a play date with my subtle intelligence, right? I would think about what, what would be interesting for this, for this type of intelligence. Um, quiet would be good, right? Or I'll tell you the easiest place to have a play date with your subtle intelligence is in nature. Because nature is filled with subtle intelligence. That nature has so many systems of communication that is happening that's invisible to us, right? There's a whole rhythm available in nature. A very simple way to be in contact with subtle intelligence is to be in nature. You know, there was, uh, maybe it was a year ago or two where there was a lot on the internet about uh, forest bathing and, and the whole concept in, in Japan, I believe it came from, where people would just walk in the forest in a meditative state, that's a subtle intelligence practice, right? Um, daydreaming is a great play date, you know, to just spend some time, to sit somewhere beautiful, maybe look at the sky, look at the clouds, and allow yourself to daydream and let your imagination go out. Now, I didn't say nightmares, right? <laughs> I don't, don't, you, there's no need to feed your mind any negative things. These are, these are inspiring, thoughtful. I wonder if, um, and allowing yourself to have that, it's like a soft focus. You know, physically, when you soft focus your eyes, like you'd lower them or you just close them. That's what it's like with a subtle intelligence. It, it, it prefers a softer, quieter approach. You have to think of these are wavelengths in your brain that are just a little bit longer and slower, you know, so subtle things. Um, movement is also a way coming from the physical area into subtle intelligence also helps. So 
like I mentioned earlier, swimming, you know, at this particular, just because there's rhythm. Some people really can get into running or walking or through breath work or anything that's creating a certain rhythm in your body can help you tap into subtle intelligence. Those are a couple ideas. I wonder if swimming and running in particular because of the bilateral motion, the right left motion um, versus, you know, like, I guess dancing could have some of that too, but um, I'm just wondering. Dancing is a great way to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not um, worried about steps, Mm -hmm. right. Um, If you, uh, it's one of my favorite ways, actually, I have do a lot of creative thinking. And that, that's where I think a lot of subtle intelligence gives access to a lot of creative thinking. Um, when I connect sound to my feet, that then connects to my body, and then kind of connects me to uh, my imagination, you know, and I allow music to move me versus trying to move, you know, to a pattern, which would be a cognitive approach to dancing. I guess it all depends really how you dance. If you want a foxtrot, you're probably a really good cognitive intelligence. You know, oh my God. Maybe you've got me. Intelligence is oh, okay. Because you've, you've got me. So I'm doing all these things, but I'm doing in them in the not way, not subtle way. So nature, do nature, but I look at it like it's pretty. I don't look at it like it's a system of intelligence. Like now you've got me thinking about looking at nature like Avatar and I dance every day, but it's salsa and I am literally doing every trick I know by myself, imagining, you know, how it would be with a partner. I'm trying to lead myself. So that's cognitive and um, I guess emotional and physical, but I don't think I'm allowing any subtle intelligence. You know what else is a very easy way to use subtle intelligence is by, um, uh, I write, well, I write letters to the universe. That's my way of, of talking to my subtle intelligence. I did a whole art project on this um, and really loved what came out of it from the subtle realm. But, you know, you could write a letter to uh, the universe. You could, uh, prayer is a subtle intelligence. Um, you could, uh, Gratitude is a subtle intelligence. Like it's an amazing practice where your focus goes towards things that are working or things of beauty or things that you appreciate. Um, it brings in, actually, that's a really good practice for all of the intelligences. There's, there's certain things that, I, uh, that cultivate all four. Meditation, gratitude um, are two of those. Um, and for those who don't like to meditate, I think combining your meditation with gratitude and just being present with everything around you that you're grateful for. Because personally, I was, uh, I never meditated because I didn't like just watching thoughts go by. Like, I don't like that thought. Well, there's that thought. Like, no, I'm, yes, I see those thoughts, but they're not, you know, I'm not at peace when I'm doing that. But then when I started to meditate with gratitude and prayer and thanks for all that I have and all that is coming, um, and all my, all my gifts, down to fingernails, whatever, you know, you, you can just go forever. And then you get filled up with this. And now you're telling me this also helps with my subtle intelligence. 
Mm-hmm. You're using subtle intelligence every day. If you think about when you go walk into a room and um, you're vibing, like you get a not so great, like I'm not going to sit next to that person or, Ooh, this is going to be fun. Or, you know, that's all you're picking up subtle intelligence forever because you're uh, you have the instinct you have the animal instinct is the very base level of subtle intelligence it's the entry level everybody has it and we have it because it's a survival mechanism so you're already equipped with subtle intelligence where you kind of go from there is starting to really engage with what i would call the inner wisdom or inner voice so if you listen to yourself and not the one that's yelling at you but you know <laughs> the, the the one that's like you ask a question to and you may get an answer from, right? That's subtle intelligence. That's another way to practice it. Um, I think what happens is people get really hung up with, I don't know when, like the psychic hotline became a big thing and you would dial an 800 number and somebody would give you an answer to your life. You know, it's like, it's a really odd way to practice uh, subtle intelligence. But um, frankly, you you could, you can access information like that. I don't, just to be really clear, I don't believe in fortune telling, right? I don't think the future is way too wildly chaotic for us to predict. And it, the, it's really, uh, when it comes down to it, I think it's an act of co-creation between our set of intelligences, the intelligences that you engage with, and then sort of like the collective, how we're engaging with that. And the more we understand the subtle intelligence, I think the more peace we'll have. I think we can really come to a, a very peaceful place. But, I mean, we're a little bit out there with this conversation. It's also extremely practical. The way that I enter the work with the, with the four intelligences is you identify one or two things. You either identify this amazing quest that you want to go on, a goal that you'd like to achieve or a vision you'd like to enact, or you think of, I call them overcoming the monster. So there's some obstacle and a really tenacious issue that keeps showing up, showing up, showing up. It looks like it's impossible to solve. And that's when you have one of those two situations those, that's when you want to use subtle, uh, all four of these intelligences. And the process that we go through is you really, you work out of each space because they're each honorable, right? Each one has something very, very valuable to it. You may need to engineer and think your way through something in order to make the system work, right? But you also may need to have a, a, an experience of what does this feel like for the end user, for myself? What would it you know, it's, when we talk about user experience, a lot of it can be the emotional uh, experience people get, or what kind of languaging do we need to, in order to really trigger the right reactions in people and get the right responses we want. Um, with physical intelligence is modeling how, you know, all the things that we use for um, rapid prototyping, um, being able to just throw together something and say, how about this? How about that? Stickies using visual yes. boards, right? To, to think through things. Those are physical um, intelligence and being able to use our senses to see, hear, taste, um, feel uh, kinetically. And then the subtle intelligence, you'd want to go there in order to get the meta picture. 
what are the archetypal things running through this right now? And there are archetypal patterns, large, subtle patterns that run through everything, every issue that we're looking at. Um, and so if you can get to the place where you can identify those, that metaposition, you get different insights. So I just advocate that, you know, you enter with one or two things, but the idea is you're incredibly freaking resourceful and you have all these things really at your fingertips. We just were never taught how to honor and really enter into all of them. And, you know, going back to the story earlier about my dyslexic father, you know, I learned how to speak multiple conversations over a period of two or three days where he would say something and I go, yes, that connects to that thing way over there that you just said. That ability to searchlight, I am excellent at identifying patterns because of that. But I couldn't necessarily sit down and tell you logically how, you know, I make a lot of people crazy sometimes with the way I talk because I don't go A to B to C to D. To. My partner is a perfect example. He's like, you know, I, I don't always speak Kathleen. You have to tell me <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, well, I thought it was pretty obvious, you know, was, but um, every once in a while we bump into some disconnects there. But can you give me example, an example of the meta story in one of the, let's think of a, a goal or a monster that needs to be tackled and just give me an example of. Well, uh, like the meta story, the subtle, the archetypal story that's happening in our country right now around race is the archetype of the slave owner, the slave master and the slave, right? And if we were uh, to really come to grips with the fact that this archetype is one of the founding archetypes of this country, you can begin to see how those two archetypes influence every, not, well, they do touch just about everything. We have other archetypes in our country that it was founded on. You know, we have the, um, the, the wild frontier. We have the, that independent, you know, we have several that we bank on. And every, every culture has its archetypes. But if we were to look at those two archetypes, right, from the subtle intelligence area and go, if our basic issue is that we have this versus and this, and we have the conversation framed that way, how would we think about it differently? How would we inquire differently? How would we feel it into it differently? You know, because then you can have compassion. You can go into each of the archetypes and understand the building of them, right? And you can start to deconstruct and then reconstruct a new, we need another archetype. Like it's the either or, this, this one is not a winning, you know, this is not a winning archetype. We have to heal this and find a third emerging possibility. Um, but using archetypal thinking or subtle thinking and then bring it into the emotional, then bring it into the physical, um, then bringing it into the cognitive, which means our policies and practices and systems. You know, you can start to deconstruct in a different way, a different starting point, if you will. You know, the, I loved Einstein's, um, who was a subtle thinker, by the way. He was. Yeah. A, you know, he's an amazing, subtle thinker. But the idea that you cannot solve a problem at the level that you created it, that's what the intelligences are for. If, if it was created in one of those, if it's an emotional issue, you're not going to solve it on an emotional level. You may have an emotional 
relief or release, but you have to work it either in physical, subtle, or cognitive in order to solve that issue. If it's a thinking problem, a cognitive issue, you need to go to one of the other three to really find breakthrough and et cetera, et cetera. That makes such complete sense. And uh, it, I was thinking we would come to it in such a different way if we saw it as these inherited archetypes versus these things that we create out of malice. Um, and then if we brought well, all the other intelligences, I got to tell you, a picture of the musical Hamilton came to mind for me, uh, which my daughter and I just watched on Disney and, you know, um, but it really involves everything that you're describing here, the physicality of it, the emotional community and the emotional uh, creation that they create. And, and then it's all driven by the archetypes, but then they flip the archetype. Yes. So it's in, extremely cognitive as well, just all the words and the stories and the, um, the structure of it. Uh, so I, I don't, I, it's just so powerful because of, all these levels and if we could communicate and, and interact with each other in all these levels and notice them instead of getting trapped into one of them trying to convince somebody and i just want to i know we're going to be wrapping up soon but um i've been having you talk a lot and one of i would say you are the best listener i know so i've really been enjoying having you talk so much because <laughs> you listen so well that i don't get to hear you talk as much as i would like so this mm -hmm. is just so juicy for me but what intelligences allow you and what intelligences are you using when you listen uh first and foremost i use my uh, subtle intelligence so presence right if I'm fully present with somebody, they already know some, like we've, we're communicating, over 60% of the communication is already taking place, right? And then I follow up with cognitive because I really do love good questions, good information. I like getting data. I like seeing the patterns. I like hearing how people connect things. Then I use emotional because I empathize and I can feel, I mean, I have to be careful because sometimes I can feel it way too much. You know, there's a lot you have to learn when you're sensitive about um, boundaries and being able to witness versus experience um, somebody. But then that, and then I love to put it all into action afterwards, right? Because what good is much of it if we don't make it tangible? and make it physical in some way, right? So if somebody were to leave a discussion and have a, uh, a word they can say to themselves and hear that would trigger the right feelings and the, and, the, and the way they wanna be thinking, or if they can have a symbol that they can see and that will remind them of whatever, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of how I go about it. I find if I come in, Personally, if I come in heavy um, with my mind, I'm already too full to listen. Because I, I love constructing stuff. <laughs> like I love putting a good idea together, good design. You know, it's like, just step on back. You know, here, where's the whiteboard? I'm, I'm ready. Um, but it, it doesn't tend to serve in the same way, if that makes sense. 
It does. And I hope everybody re rewinds and listens to that um, because that is the order. I mean, coaches, I think we, we learn to do that because it's helpful and it's, it's useful. But I know if I'm not in a coaching environment, I will go straight to cognitive. Like I, I won't bring my pr complete presence. I have to, even with my daughter, you know, I don't go to presence first. And I don't know, maybe because it's, I, it's just not in, I, I love doing it with my clients. So why don't I do it everywhere else? If we could just all bring that presence to different parts of our lives and then yes, go and tinker and do all that other stuff that we get to use our brains for. Um, I, I mean, the world would just be such a better place. Well, it's certainly more interesting. You, you, you get more information for sure. It's more inspiring. It, uh, and it's hard. You know, when we talk about executive presence with folks, for example, we might dial into a detail about how they're presenting or um, their body you know, language or posturing or all these things. The very first thing is their subtle intelligence. Like if that doesn't show up, you should be able to feel me before I enter the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you to feel tickled with curiosity and delight. Like that's what, <laughs> like, whoa, what is coming? Who is that? Where is she? <laughs> and then I'll just gently walk in and say, hi. <laughs> Drop the mic. I'm already done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, and I think the recommendation is there. You don't have to decide you want to be tickled with delight. You want them to be tickled with delight, but decide how you want them to be. How, what impact do you want to have and be intentional about it? Which, and then be careful. Be careful about what impact you choose, right? Powerful yeah. in what way, you know? Exactly. Powerful in which of the intelligences. You know, there's a lot of uh, people, I've worked with clients who are very powerful physically. So when they walk in a room, they already have command, you know, because of their stature or because of just the, um, their loudness or just the way they, the speed with which they enter. Or there's a lot of things physically people can do to command presence that the sound of their voice and the projection or the how loud it's, it's really interesting playing with physical, but the most important piece for me is um, just what you said is walking in with intention, right? And then also being very aligned myself with my intention and, and my own uh, intelligences. If I feel off emotionally, it's going to show up. If I feel off physically, it's going to show up. If my thinking is not quite clear and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing it here, you're going to know it pretty soon. And importantly, if my subtle body is not, if I'm not present, you'll know in a minute, you'll know right away. So, you know, it's, these are our strengths and then these are also our vulnerabilities. So before we go, if you could imagine somebody living or is this somebody we can relate to? Somebody um, who may have recently passed, but somebody who walks into that room and you can feel that they have, they embody it all. They use all of their intelligences. They have that presence. Um, 
who comes to mind for you as a role model for this that people could relate to? That's a difficult question because people are going to resonate. So I would ask the listener to think of that for themselves, Mm -hmm. given the criteria we just laid out, you know, because um, the range is so, there's no one right answer to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even the more interesting point is that there is no one right answer. There's your way of being. Mm-hmm. And your way of presence, right? So if you like to dress to kill and you are stunning, which I know some people love to use their physical presence in that way, and I love seeing it. <laughs> um, and that's part of your power in the room because I do know some some female executives who will use who've done that. You know, just gorgeous. I had a dentist once who was so beautiful. <laughs> I just would go to the dentist, get my teeth cleaned and just stare at her and just go, how is this possible? You know, this beautiful woman um, from Trinidad, she was just so, and then her intelligence would come through and everything would exude. But her power play for her was wearing that little Chanel suit underneath her white coat. Like that was her statement, if you will. So maybe what's more interesting is to think about what do I want to have as my personal little power play, right? Um, and I have used lipstick in the past. <laughs> I think that works pretty. It's, a, it's a, my own weird thing. You know, it's like, here's a little physical enhancement that makes me feel confident. Like, yes. So who cares? Um, or maybe it's um, doing a grounding exercise, or maybe it's meditating before I go in, or maybe it's really thinking through all my talking points and making sure I know my flow a logic flow of what i'm going to be talking about or whatever it is i think it can show up in a lot of different ways but you just want to be aware that uh, you are about to show up somewhere so be prepared even if it's on a zoom call you know we're showing up with each other so how do i want to be yeah maybe it's a little less than i'm not talking about you you talk about perfectionism and it's it's many evils You know, and I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm just talking about owning your resources, if that makes sense. And you don't have to have a high power day every day. You don't have to be at 100 watts, you know. You just figure out what wattage do you need to get through what you need to address in the moment. And if you're under-resourced, look at the other, start looking at all the different intelligences and see what you can pick up there. Do you think it's pretty easy for people to determine where they're under-resourced or or is there some practice they need to do to figure out, oh, yes, I'm too cognitive or too physical? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're sitting right now listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't understand exactly all the points you're saying. It's not logical. I have a question about this. And you're trying to fill in a gap of what I just said, or you're trying to uh, make, quote unquote, sense of it in a certain way. Most likely you lead with cognitive, right? If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that warms my heart or, oh, I'm feeling her. And, oh, yeah, I, I got a knot in my stomach when she said that or uh, goosebumps when that. Maybe your emotional intelligence, right? You're leading with. Um, maybe if you're like, I can only listen to this conversation while in movement and I have to be doing a task while I'm listening to her, I have to physically be in motion. 
that's kind of a good clue, right? And if you were um, listening to this and going, oh my God, I can't wait to go like zone out and <laughs> go be I'm already one. zoned out. <laughs> go be one with my dog and just like, you know, that's another little clue. That's another clue. But the, the point is you have all of them. We have all four. And so, you know, let's enjoy them. Let's use them. Let's find resource each other with them. And if you're hanging around too many other people who would think exactly like you, who have a preference for cognitive, uh, time to go make a new friend. You know, go check out something you're slightly uncomfortable with and see how that goes. Um, anything else that you think we should know? Oh, I think you should just go have a fabulous day. <laughs> I mean, I think that if I were to say one more thing, I would say, you know, I really feel like life is in your, your favor. Life is, we have a lot that we can, it certainly may not appear at all. I, I think there's really true, true suffering. And I, I know there's suffering and I know that people are struggling with all different types of things. I mean, the idea of this pandemic being the perfect storm, yet we're all in different boats is important to acknowledge, but each boat has this little life kit in it, right? You have all four of these things that you can draw on to solve whatever obstacle, take care of whatever monster you need to address and also to, to go for whatever goal or vision is in front of you. People are infinitely more resourceful than they know. So I would say, yeah, just remember that you're amazing. And then I think it's great to ask the question. So if I'm amazing and I have these resources, asking a good question, like what are my resources right now? And what do I want to use? And how will I use it? So that yeah. taking us from the cognitive all the way down to the like action, like you said, um, with some subtle and emotional in between. Well, you know, for my little cognitive friend that you, you think you are, <laughs> I might have another theory on that, but um, um, if you draw a four, a four by four and you just put, you know, subtle cognitive, emotional, and physical label in each one of those boxes, and just like you said, do yourself a little inventory, and think about, well, where do I like to spend my time and, and how much of my time am I spending in these other things and how might I lean into something different? If you just write it all down, you'll see where your biases go, potentially. Or you can ask some friends, mm -hmm. you know? Like I have amazing people who don't know how much emotional intelligence they're walking around with. But they, they can sense a room, they can sense people, they know what to say, they know how to help, they know what people need. Like, uh, any anybody in a caretaking or service mode has a lot of them, likely emotional intelligence. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to put into a little podcast, but um, hopefully this was enough food for thought. I think it was food delicious, delicious <laughs> food for thought. And um, I'm going to think differently about the next time I would take a walk in nature. <laughs> yeah. And everything else. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for joining in on this fun conversation with Kathleen Joy, president and founder of Lumiere Works, and me. And if you enjoy this podcast, I always love to hear your positive comments, and I appreciate your five-star ratings, and I wish you a beautiful and brilliant rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.